Do you perceive your reality only through your senses? How is your brain assembling the picture, the story and making sense of what happens to you? There is a certain level of perception based on your five senses, which translates a complex mixture of stimuli into a coherent narrative, which depending on the level of the emotion that will be sent to long-term storage or it can stay in your working memory. Learning to harness the power of our perception is essential to navigate a new stage that is still filled with confused messages. Discover more in episode 76, Enhancing Your Perception to Shape Your Reality. Welcome everyone to our episode 76 of our podcast, Cultivating a New Generation. In today's episode, we are going to discuss about the topic of perception. And the title of this episode is Enhancing Your Perception to Shape Your Reality. And to discuss about this topic and to talk about this topic, I use the article from Bazaar from 2016. And the title is Links of Consciousness, Perception and Memory by means of delta oscillations of the brain from frontiers in psychology. And without further ado, we are going to get into the topic of perception, which is extremely important right now. So if you stayed until the end, I am going to review several diagrams where I'm going to explain how much is the perception that we receive from the sensory uh, five senses and how our brain is blending and gathering information for the, from the multiple um, abilities, traits, features, and skills that we have in terms of visual perception, olfactory perception, and of course, auditory perception. And we are going to also discuss about the topic of perceiving beyond your senses to shape a new reality. And I'm going to give you tips and strategies to really harness your perception because we have seen now that we live in a world where the most important things that we have to take care of is our perception and become the creators of our experience is instead of acquiescing to a reality that it is just being sold to us every day. So we all have been used to living in the comfort zone for many things, whether it is an easier way to commute to our job, whether it is to having easy and immediate access to information, which now it is not um, an excuse because information is readily available for you everywhere. So now you have to look for that, the information and you have to discern what kind of information is the one that is closer to the truth and the one that resonates with you. That's the challenge now. Whether it is to have a quick or fast food deliver, we are used to this kind of com comfort things 
and all of those comfort things are not doing the best for us because we are also in parallel becoming a lazy society. A convenient way of living has been promoted since a lot of decades ago. And with the advent of these commodities of the digital age, ironically, we have been losing the freedom of our perception of things. The more we are being subjected to all the um, emotions that harness and that lock in our abilities to discern what is the real truth, we are being subjected to many things that are not the best choices for us. So we need to really claim back that power and start becoming that spirit essence, that energy that can perceive things beyond the senses and start also adding that kind of energy to our everyday experience. Whether you wanted to realize it or not, many of your decisions in terms of what you want, now they don't even depend of, of your parents or family influence. As all of those family gatherings, they have been also reduced by the kind of measures that we were subjected to, or many times they have been lost. They now have other features to influence the decisions that you are making every day. And one of the best strategies to do that is under the emotion of fear and presenting to you the tools of the or the gadgets or the devices of immersing yourself in a digital um, era where you are being just prime for the things that other people want, but not you. So what are we going to do? We are going to review what is happening and how can we develop some kind of balance between our senses, the information that we perceive and what we want to really achieve. So in order to analyze all this information, we are going to use the experiments and the data that is presented in this article, which in my humble opinion, for me, it presented a very uh, summarized way of analyzing the multiple ways of our brain to pick up the signals from the environment. So in this paper or in this research, the people that did the experiment developed an essay including few steps analyzing the dynamic balance, the equilibrium between conscious and unconscious states. So in order to approach that kind of problem, they use rules of electroencephalograms and neurophysiology, as well as time frame needed during cognitive performances of the brain. The physiology of the brain is anchored two important functions that also act in an integrative way, which is perception and sensation. So several research scientists define sensation as perception by means of the sense organs. 
the philosopher Henry Bergson indicates pure perception as the simple reaction coming from sense organs. On the contrary, the perception can be, can be defined according to Helmholtz as the integration of pure sensation with unconscious inference. So what is going to have, what is going to happen and what is going to have your brain as resources to do this integration of conscious and unconscious. Gustav Jung, a famous psychologist, has analyzed the problem of consciousness by integrating intuition. So now we are adding more vocabulary to the perception, intuition. What are you feeling? not just with your senses, but using more the energy source that you have and your heart to acquire the abilities to really discern what is the best path for you. Sensation, feeling, and thinking. What are those kind of um realms that we are going to explore. For John, expressing sensation is equivalent to perception. As feeling presently, psychologists prefer the expression of emotion. So when we are sensing things, when we are perceiving things, we are also feeling those things. And that translates into a chemical language that is the emotion. According to Freud, in 1914, the mind can be divided into three different levels. The conscious mind includes everything that we are aware of. Examples are sensations, perception, and memory. A major part of this includes our memory, which is not always part of consciousness but can be retrieved easily at any time and brought into our awareness. Freud called this the pre-conscious stage. So we are going to use now the memory, but this is not always the conscious part of your memory, because remember, as I explained in a different kind of memories, in the types of memories, which is an earlier episode, three weeks ago, more or less, that you can access in the YouTube channel, you can get in the uh, definition of the memory, episodic memory, or working memory, or also many of the subconscious part of your memory. But now, we are the more we are aware of the things that are happening, the more we are going to be able to um, access the right kind of memories that we want to uh, use in order to perform any kind of task that we are being handled. The pre-conscious mind is the state of the mind that represents memory in the common sense. While we are not consciously aware of this information at any given time, we can retrieve it and pull it into consciousness when needed. The conscious mind is a reservoir of feelings, thoughts, urges, 
and memories that exist outside of our conscious awareness. So those are the things that many times you have stored in your memory, but you are not aware and conscious that you have them there. But you want, but when you start practicing more and start accessing more those kind of memories, you will um, allow that storage of memory to become more accessible. So these researchers named to this part of the memory hypermemory, which for me it suits perfectly well because it is a kind of memory that is going to give us many clues, many um, signals that we need in order to solve many things that we are presented in the moment. Most of the contents of the unconscious are unacceptable or unpleasant, such as feelings of pain, anxiety, or conflict. According to Freud, the unconscious continues to influence our behavior and experience, even though we are unaware of these underlying influences. That's why we need to do um, cleaning, a detoxification of these kind of memories, because we uh, are not aware of the kind of pain that sometimes they bring to our experiences. And that's why many times we feel stuck, we feel um, drained in terms of energy or unmotivated simply. Freud likened these three levels of mind to an iceberg. So that's the most famous representation of these kind of uh, memories, the unconscious, the conscious, and the pre-conscious memories that we have and the iceberg is representing the part of um, of all of these stages. The top of the iceberg that you can see above the water represents the conscious mind. The part of the iceberg that is submerged below the water but is still visible is the pre-conscious. And the bulk of the iceberg, the most um, heavy, part of the iceberg lies unseen beneath the waterline and represents the unconscious. That's why it is at the deepest level and it needs to bring to the surface many of the things that we are being storing there. So what do this kind of research did in order to observe the kind of... Um, access and the kind of stimuli that we are going to need in order to get to a much better and fine-tuned perception. Working memory, which is the one that we have access more readily available, was analyzed with an experiment of performing many com complex tasks. So this working memory is necessary to hold information in temporary storage to complete the task. The system used for this is referred as this working memory. And it is a temporary activation 
of an ex extensive network of short or long-term perceptual component of that network that would be, in other cases, as any other perceptual memory, retrievable and expandable. Did you listen well? Expandable. So your working memory, the more you are being um, challenged with, with cognitive tasks, the more you are going to be able to expand this kind of memory. So that it is being expandable by a new stimulus or experience. That's why the more we stimulate this kind of memory, the more we challenge ourselves to start learning more things, the more our working memory is flexible and is expandable. So another researcher, Foster, in 2013, he uh, analyzed states that working memory has the same cortical substrate as the kind of short-term memory traditionally considered the gateway to long-term memory. Why is it the short-term memory a substrate for the long-term memory? Because if you cannot access the kind of memories that you need in the moment, how are you going to be able, when you are asleep, to um, do those kind of synapses and connections to get to a long-term stage of memory? This is the key of sleep. The moment we go to sleep and the moment we start entering those stages of deep sleep, that's when your brain is working harder to uh, assemble the long-term memories that you need. And also, that's why you need to clean the kind of memories that you want to store. The component analysis of uh, event-related oscillations provide a real advantage over conventional um, electric representation analysis. For example, the results of cross-modality measurements demonstrate in the occipital areas, auditory stimulation does not evoke 10 Hertz responses. Although these kind of representations is measured upon visual stimulation, this kind of dependence of the 10 Hertz response on visual perception, according to the spatial resolution, is highly increased in the kind of um, frequency that you are having. So now let's think about less technical terms and let's analyze what, what is the meaning of this kind of um, experiment that they did. Whenever we are subjected with any kind of oscillation, any kind of frequency that can be perceived by your visual senses or auditory senses, there is a certain kind of frequencies that some people are not trained to perceive but that doesn't mean that we cannot perceive them. If we train more our senses and beyond the senses, we can feel those kind of frequencies, which is something that you can develop through meditation because we down-regulate the, 
wave patterns of our brain. And under those states, we can perceive more certain kind of frequencies and sounds. And we are more connected with the source energy. That's why you need those spaces. And the more you have those spaces to meditate, the more your mind is going to learn to become quiet, not in terms of not having thoughts, that is not meditating, because you will have some thoughts, but in terms of training your mind to release those thoughts and suddenly enter into, into an state where the brain waves are lower and they pick up certain signals from the environment, which are always around us, but we are not able to perceive them because we are constantly in the beta waves patterns. And that's not a frequency that allows us to pick up those kind of signals. So, for example, there is a delta response in an auditory um, paradigm and in an auditory experiment at 300 300 milliseconds that is distributed highly and as an enhanced response in the whole cortex, which is observed to be in the maximum peak in the frontal and parietal areas. So these delta response have been observed in many species and also in humans. So there is some diagrams that we are going to review at the end where I'm going to explain these kind of waves patterns and how these evoke potentials with non-target and target responses are an average of the response that we have whenever we have visual stimulations. The delta response filtered in the one to three hertz frequency window have the largest values upon target stimuli. So that means that whenever I'm being presented with some kind of stimuli, visual stimuli, in the frequency of one to three hertz, that's the where I have my highest response, which is the delta waves or the delta, delta patterns that they are perceiving. So what are the conclusions of all these kind of experiments? And also the parts of the memory that we are using as mentioned by Freud, either the pre-conscious, the conscious and the subconscious, how do we blend those things? And what can we do to overcome certain kind of um, traps? or biasing information. At the human level, the threshold and the hair tones also manifest a delta response, as well as the visual, as I explained. Other frequency responses were absent in the kind of experiments, but we are also know from other sources and research that whenever we down-regulate the patterns and the wave patterns of our brain, we can pick up the signals from the field source, which is connected to your spirit. During slow wave sleep, ample acoustic stimuli of 80 decibels elicits a large delta response. 
Further, this delta coherency between long distance structures in other experiments in animals in the cat brain shows highly increased delta components. In other words, during deep sleep, the delta response is existent, although the cats cannot consciously hear the auditory stimuli. And we have also proved that, and there are also experiments in humans of how when we are also asleep at certain uh, stages of, of sleep, we can perceive certain sounds. And that is the delta response that we have that we are having whenever we are entering certain kind of between the light sleep and the deep sleep, that's when we can pick up those kind of frequencies. Now, what can we do to allow our perception to become much better? I'm going to go into this topic at the end, but before we are going to review a diagram where I'm going to explain all of these experiments and many of the things that you can start doing with your perception in order to make it much better. So let's analyze this. This is the information from the article. So as you can see here, there is the hypermemory as these researchers uh, label the kind of uh, subconscious memory that was also labeled or um, named by Freud. So what is this hypermemory? It is the unconscious, but what is going to happen with this unconscious level? It is going to have a mixture of semantic memory and episodic memory, which are mostly overlapping in time. Did you remember what was the semantic memory and what was the episodic memory? Remember that the episodic memory is the things that you are perceiving but what are not happening uh, personally. They are not happening to you. The semantic memory is the one that happens to you. Well, sorry, I mixed up the terms. Semantic memory is the memory of the events that are happening and the episodic memory is the memory that is happening to you. That's the right way. So they are overlapping. Why? Because we have a lot of stimuli. And right now with, with this kind of digital stages, we have a lot more of this overlapping in time of these kind of memories. If we are being, if we are watching too much the social platforms or if we watch a movie or a series in any kind of platform, sometimes many of the events that happen in this kind of uh, visual stimuli are being mixed with certain experiences that you have. So that's the kind of uh, conflict that sometimes happens with these kind of memories. Possibly they share similar neural networks. Your emotional memory is also based on our past, as we explain in the types of memory. Therefore, it is designed in an adjoining way to episodic memory, as we can see it here. This is the 
semantic memory, the episodic memory, phyletic memory, that's another classification of memory that it is more, more filter, let's say. And right here, or in an adjacent position, it is your emotional memory, which is being influenced of the present memory. And that present memory goes back to a semantic or an episodic or a philetic memory and becomes a past memory if you want to store it. Remember that this past memory is long-term memory that you are going to store during your sleep. So that's why it is extremely important to filter, to clean the kind of memories that we want to be to store in our lives. This episodic memory also has an impact on future memory and creativity. The illustration here indicates that present memory relies on this past memory and there possibly are links from past memory to future memory and creativity, which for me makes a lot of sense because when we are watching something, when we are living that emotion from from the visual experience or when we are having a physical experience in our lives, all of those things start to uh, prime our cognitive skills to create something, to have a vision of something that we want or that we want to create or are giving us clues and cues about something that we have to solve. That's why when we, for example, when we want to write a book or when we want to write anything or when we want to um, assemble a presentation, we need to be in a creative mode. And entering in, into that creative mode starts with remembering things and starts with also accessing some kind of events that allow us to prime the creativity to start doing something in the future. As stated by another researcher in 1920 Bergson, the consideration of future events requires past and present memories. The time space, which we call hypertime space, requires a physical time period of approximately 0.5 seconds. In this illustration that we have here, the functioning of the working memory and implicit memory are not yet incorporated. So here we are just seeing what are all the elements that are going to construct the hypermemory. And as you can see, there are a lot of uh, subdivisions or segments of our memory that are working together and feeding from each other to create your present memory and to access or influence your future memory and your creativity. That's why it is extremely important to pay attention to the things that you want to have in your memories, not the all of the 
um, media news or biasing information or fear information, all of those things, if you start accumulating those kind those, those kind of stimuli, these are going to pass into these kind of memories and they are going to be stored there. So whenever you have another trigger from whatever source it can come, you will have an experience of fear again because you are feeding your memories with fear. The more you are feeding your memories with trash information or information that is not helping you to grow or to learn or to become more emotionally intelligent, that's the kind of memory that you are going to reflect in your present. And that's the kind of memory because you are living those experiences that is going to be access to create a future. So what kind of future do you want? The kind of future that you can create is based on the stimuli that you are receiving and that you are choosing to access. That's the important thing about this kind of diagram. Now, this is the most famous diagram that I have seen about the three parts or the three segments that Freud explained about the conscious, pre-conscious, and unconscious stages of the of our perception. So another researcher, Helmholtz, in 1867 and 1910, discussed the psychological effects of visual perception. According to Helmholtz, the formation of visual impression is achieved primarily by unconscious judge judgments, the results of which can never once be elevated to the plane of conscious judgments and thus lack of purifying and scrutinizing work of conscious thinking. So just let's just analyze this part. If we don't know what do we have here in the unconscious level, if we don't have some work in our emotions, in our past experiences, even though they can be painful. And of course, you might need um, coaching or a psychotherapist or hypnosis, whatever the, the help you need, look for that help. Because those kind of unconscious memories are the most important for the influence that they are going to have with the conscious things. That's why so many people get triggered by fearing the news because they also have a lot of unconscious things stored there that are being triggered, that are being accessed. And we all uh, respond to this kind of primitive emotion of fear. That's why it is being used more and more to feed you things that are not either true, real, or they are going to damage you. So be careful. That's why we need to do a lot of work in these years in order to become really conscious of what we are going to access and what are we going to believe and where are we going to look for the information that we really need?
As the process is spontaneous and automatic, we are unable to account for just how we arrive at our judgments. That's why many people act irrationally because it is so fast, this kind of process, and you are not aware of this part. So in spite of you having um, degrees, doctorate degrees, or any kind of academic uh, background, if you are being primed by fear, you are going to respond as irrational as anyone else. So it doesn't matter your academic um, accolades or your degrees if you don't work with your emotional intelligence. Through our eyes, we necessarily perceive things as real. For the results of the unconscious conclusions are interpretations that are urged on our consciousness. So we are being deceived by visual things. And that's what happens in many of the social platforms. And of course, in many of the news, we are being primed by visual imagery. We are being primed by false data. We are being primed by things that are not true. We are being primed by things that are just designed to make you powerless and weaker. So be careful and analyze the things and start cleaning this unconscious part. So now, what is happening in all of this hub system? Because isn't this amazing how all our areas of the brain work and start um, gathering information and creating connections when we want to uh, act more consciously or when we want to act irrationally. That depends on you. But this is the pathway that all of the memories that you are perceiving are going to follow. So let's look at this diagram and analyze it more. Representation of these neural networks to explain the bottom-up and top-down processing sensations are elicited in the peripheral organs of the body, such as your eyes, your ears, and all of the skin receptors. These are, these are your antennas that are perceiving and picking the information. If we track visual information, the electrical impulses that are elicited in the retina reach the occipital cortex or the visual cortex and travel through the visual pathway. So that's how each of the signals has a path that has to follow in order to make sense. These signals coming from the retina reach the visual cortex over the thalamus. This is a simple way of bottom-up processing in real life the subject's cell receives pure sensory signals as a light stimulus. In general, more complex visual patterns contain elements from the history of subjects which 
are presented. So this is to make the resemblance of certain kind of uh, psychological subliminal messages that many times we receive. If we have seen certain kind of visual information before and we associate an emotion that is low vibration, such as fear, and then we are presented with a similar image that um, kind of, it doesn't even have to be the same, but kind of resembles the image that we have stored and that we associate with fear, this is the response that we are going to obtain. That's why it's very important to understand these kind of visual pathways, because the more we are accessing the kind of information that is just priming us into lower vibration emotions, the more we are going to be um, readily available to be manipulated in the future. In this figure that we analyzed previously, there are also connections from the reticular formations and connections to the limbic system. As we can see here, this is the limbic system and the limbic system represents your emotions. Remember, there is the prefrontal area, which is more of your rational thinking. There is the limbic, which is sort of the big middle area of your brain and primitive area, which is below, which is just instincts and reactions. Now, there are links from the visual cortex to other association areas of the brain. In the top-down processing, the signal flow in the brain hits several neuronal populations. This is a more complex signal processing, which usually ends in no predictable areas of the brain. Therefore, this is a complex signal processing, which shows uncertain reactions. That's why we have to analyze more the kind of sensory input that we are having in our experiences. The more you clean the sensory input that you are receiving, the more you are going to feed these kind of cycles to your other areas of the brain, and the more you are going to be able to regulate your emotions. If you are accessing just priming information, just trash information, let's say, that's the kind of stimulus of a stimuli, sorry, that is going to travel around your different kind of areas of the brain. And that's the kind of um, information that is going to travel and to um, assemble um, an experience that is going to trigger your limbic system and is going to give you a low vibrational emotion. That's the way it happens. Now, these are the different types of perception. This is the phyletic memory, which is more from your skin antenna. And this was analyzed in a snail, in a type of snail. 
to um, have more data of how we process many of the electrical signals. This is the bottom of perception in the helix. This was analyzed in a snail. This is the threshold perception, top-down perception, bottom-up perception, cognitive processes, threshold perception, and these kind of um, memories are also accessing the different types of regions in the brain. In humans, what is happening? You have evoked potentials which come from bottom-up perception. You have event-related potentials, top-down perception and bottom-up perception. So bottom-up perception is more easily explained as the kind of perception that you are having with your senses. And top-down top down perception is also influenced by many of the memories that you are having. Evoke potentials are many of these kind of emotions that are, that are coming from past experiences. That's why I told you, the more you store trash information or fear information or things that are not helping you to grow, the more you are going to be able to evoke a low vibrational kind of emotion. Perception in missing of working memory. Why in missing working memory? Because certain kind of people have some diseases and now it is more common of those kind of diseases, Alzheimer's disease and mild cognitive impairment, which have late delta, delta oscillation missing. So they don't have this kind of readily available stimulation of the kind of waves that we are using to assemble the perception. This experimental design was used to measure the oscillatory responses at the human hearing threshold level. In this experiment, the subject attentively hears an auditory stimulation at the threshold level. So your threshold level, remember that it is here. And the subject is involved with a hearing process and following the hearing, and he has performed the cognitive processes of threshold perception, based also on a decision-making process. So you listen to something and you need to do to make a decision. And they are measuring the kind of frequency that you are perceiving. Accordingly, auditory delta response in this experiment highly differs from the delta response of the helix ganglion to other stimuli. This helix ganglion is from the snail. The subject is conscious about the hair tones, whereas the helix delta response is most probably a pre-conscious process. So what is happening here? When you are listening to something and you need to respond, this is happening in um, a stage that is in real time. 
when there is a pre-conscious process, you have already accessed the kind of memories that you are that you have stored in your different types of or segments of memory. Further, the auditory delta response at the hearing threshold is the result of an activation of bottom-up and top-down networks. We, the people that they that did the experiment, compared sensory delta responses and target delta responses in the mild cognitive impairment and in Alzheimer's disease patients in order to compare what happens when we can access the working memory. Delta response of the isolated snail ganglion can be considered as preconscious because it doesn't have consciousness or unconscious state response. This is just a reaction. But this same reaction that was analyzed and that was proved in the snail happens with humans. Happens with humans when you are just watching and allowing and consuming the kind of stimuli that are just creating more stressful responses, that are just creating more um, disempowering uh, emotions, and they are going to feed the low vibrational cycle. That's why we need to start getting ready for the next stages that we are going to be prime. As you can see, in the world that we are living now, we are being more prime with information that is false, that is based on low vibrational emotions, and that it is, that it is being manipulated by many of these kind of platforms. So just pay attention to that and start working more in the kind of unconscious processes that you have. Now, to end this episode, I am going to talk about the kind of responses that we are having in terms and the kind of things that we can do to harness our perception and to really start having more clarity in what we want in our lives. So the first tip and practical application that we can retrieve from all this information is have clarity and set your priorities. You need to know how and what are the things that you want. How are you going to, to do and to achieve the things that you want? And what are the things that you want? And most likely, this is the problem for many individuals. They don't have clarity. They are confused because they are consuming this kind of information. They have so much access, information, instant rewards, and of course, distractions. That's the most uh, low level of draining energy from your senses and from your other areas of, of perception which that that is why it's hard to know what you really want but if you start detoxifying from all those stimuli and from all those uh, outlets of information you are going to uh, replenish 
your levels of energy, and now you can design something to give you clarity. So my recommendation is to first try to align your priorities with your deep desires. What are your desires? Have you written your desires lately? Try as much as possible to connect with your inner voice and the thoughts that you were having recently also to identify those itching thoughts that were constantly scrolling around your mind and clean those kind of emotions. Give a number to your priorities so you can identify which one is the most important in terms of the urgency that you know you have to achieve. Learn that new skill that you have been wanting to acquire. Clean the toxic thoughts. Build the dream that you are waiting for and start assembling the things. Remember that everything begins in your mind with the vision, with the craving of the things, and then you start pulling the energy towards you. No one else knows the priorities of your life and the itching desires more than you. So another important aspect in these terms of clarity is to start seeing a clearer path coming to light when you start linking what you want deep in your heart with motion, with doing something, with writing down the things that you want, with clarifying the, the type of thoughts that you need to uh, detoxify from, and with the kind of um, experiences that you want to create. Number two, let fear out of the equation. The most disempowering feeling is fear. And we all have heard about that. Starting from interfering with your mind, fear is an emotion that will practically block your prefrontal cortex, the one that takes decisions and start analyzing things. So that's the region that is going to be prime because that's a region that also has to do with motivation. Fear will also start triggering all your metabolic functions to shut down, including your immune system, and start acting as if you were in a dangerous situation. So this means that you are also having energy just to react, not for other things. So this means that your hormones are, that are needed to move your body and react will be released in a much higher amount such as adrenaline, cortisol, and noradrenaline. Those cocktail of hormones, as it is being released, will shut down the production of positive neurotransmitters, such as oxytocin, which is the one that helps you to bond, to have more empathy, serotonin, which is another neurotransmitter, and also hormone that is important for your well-being and for feeling happy and for feeling peaceful and your endorphins that are also giving you a much uh, better mood and much better quality in terms of your motivation. And one of the most important uh, neurotransmitter recently discovered of PDNF that I also mentioned a lot in the episode of Irising and Exercise. 
So as you know, this BDNF helps you to uh, protect, to recover, and to replenish neurons. If you counteract fear with a stronger feeling, which is gratitude and love for what you do, for what you are, for what you have accomplished, then you will start lowering the disempowering emotion of fear without needing to see it as a threat. Just by placing your attention on gratitude and the things that you already have, feeling more grateful and being more conscious of the difficult situations that you have been able to surpass, you are going to be motivated to create more and to give momentum to your life. Number three, a step up to the situation and start acting. The biggest trait that we have to connect with our inner emotions, traits, feature, and as a higher species, feel connected with our divine source energy is the fact that we have a fast track freeway to our universe energy, to awaken our vibrational field and to start getting out from the trap of all of the other kind of emotions that this kind of stimuli is giving us. So just be careful also with the kind of people that you are having interactions with and start cleaning your social circle. All you have to do is move forward, start creating, start giving the steps, even if they are really small. No one is judging you. No one is pressuring, pressuring you and no one is uh, able to manipulate unless you want Preparing yourself for the situations, as, as I mentioned several times, we are facing a stage where the most important things that we have are perception and our conscious awareness, that we are more an spirit and energy than this physical experience. Acquiring the knowledge and abilities that you will need to sustain that new purpose? What are the skills? What are the abilities that you need to start learning in order to become much more wiser and able to create a perception that allows you to thrive instead of a perception that keeps you in the lower vibrations? So those are the tips. That's all the information. And as you can see, the power is on us. So we have the creative power of going up in the vibrational scale. It's up to you to decide when. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, for paying attention. If you like this information, if the, if the tips, the diagrams, and all the articles serve you, please, I'm just asking one thing. Give me a comment, a reaction, and share this information because more people need to be awakening to this new stage. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. 
Thank you everyone for listening to this episode and integrating with this community to cultivate more awareness and consciousness in your inner health to create a new generation of humans. If you want more tools to grow your inner health with science and spirituality merch, visit www.davidortegab.com. Remember that you can subscribe to become a premium member and receive plenty of benefits in all five areas of your life. Nutrition, metabolism, emotional resilience, consciousness and abundance, 